Uh, this morning you're going to get to hear more of, uh, from a familiar couple in the church. Uh, and it's a story that many of you perhaps have never heard before. So this morning for our fifth Sunday story, we get to hear from Ben and Noel Kilgore. And I hope that you'll give them a warm welcome as they come. We planned this time. Yes, we planned this time. <laughs> All right. So every now and then I get the question um, about Ben and Noel, and people discover they're married to each other. They don't just happen to sing together like peanut butter and jelly, like so perfectly. Um, uh, God has been, you know, any one of us could get up and tell the story of how God has worked in our lives. And, and Ben and Noel have a really remarkable story of how God led them to each other and led them to have a family together. And so. Uh, ben and Noel, I just want to create space this morning for you all to articulate how God has crowned you with victory, how God has uh, worked in your lives. So bless us with your story. Um, like um, John said, my name is Noel. This is Ben. We've been married for 13 years. Um, we have uh, just really seen the faithfulness of God throughout our story. Um, but we've had some bumps. And um, so our story begins uh, the very next day after we got engaged. We had to fly out to sing somewhere. And I think it was Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, we literally sat down and on the plane wrote out kids' names. Like that was just all Okay. <laughs> Sorry Is this to, how the whole thing's yes. going to go? I, I just remembered a great detail about so. Young people who are looking for someone worth uh, your time in life. So we got trapped at O'Hare Airport for t like 13 hours together. The day after we got engaged. And you can be trapped at O'Hare for 13 hours, and the person you're with can make that better or worse. <laughs> Noel made it better. And we ate, yeah, yeah, we went to Romano's Macaroni Grill and got the scallopino de pollo, which is like 8,000 calories. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> that was not a, a bump in the road. That was a good, a good moment. Um, anyway, we, we just, from the very beginning, we both came from a family of four siblings, um, and we just wanted a large family. We wanted family in general. Um, and so after we got married, we started trying and was not very successful. Um, well, not successful at all. So we went to the doctor, looked at fertility stuff. They, they gave us a 1% chance of um, conceiving naturally, um, but we did. And unfortunately, we miscarried about eight weeks after that. Um, I for, forgot to mention, when we were dating and, and talking about family, um, I had expressed to Ben that adoption was a huge part of my heart and that I wanted um, that to be a part of my story one day, and it resonated with him as well. And so we knew that adoption was going to be a part of our story. We just didn't know where exactly in the mix it would come. Um, <clears throat> so after we miscarried, we sought out some IVF um, treatments. We did two rounds with failed um, failed treatments and um, you know that's that's a tricky thing if any of you have gone through fertility stuff within your marriage it's a hard thing on your marriage it's a hard thing on families and um, it just it was a it was a rough season for us um, and so after all of that transpired we started praying about adoption we started leaning into it but we also knew that adoption 
although it was going to be a part of our story, it was never going to be the consolation prize. It was never going to be the, we didn't get this, so we're going to do this. Um, And so we had to spend time to make peace with where our journey was going. Um, And through that, uh, I think it was a a year before we even pursued adoption. We didn't really know where to start. We we, um, started praying about different things and Ironically, uh, an adoption agency that we were looking at internationally, we actually um, went to a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert one night here in town. And if you know their story, they've adopted too. And it was the exact agency that we had been looking at. And it was just this, that was like a seal in our heart of like, okay, it's time to move forward. We felt um, that. And so we started to move forward with that. Spent two years working on paperwork to adopt from Ethiopia. Um, and got on the waiting list and then got a call saying that the doors at Ethiopia had closed for adoption. And so we're about five years into this Mm -hmm. thing by now. Um, Feel free to take the mic whenever you need. Do you want, (laughs) you're doing a great job. I don't want to ruin it. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we got, I got an offer to go lead worship at a church in Arizona. Uh, in Phoenix, and a friend of ours, David Gunger, um, he's, he's the one that kind of uh, introduces that church, so we moved out there, and his wife, Kate, um, came up to Noel, and she's like, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you about this private adoption attorney in um, Fayetteville, Bentonville, Arkansas, and so she told Noel, gave this guy, gave her email to, or his email to her, and she, we just kind of tucked it away, weren't quite ready for that. And um, <clears throat> a crazy thing about Noelle is she has, like, these dreams that she knows when people are pregnant. And, like, it's happened, like, three or four different times. It, it's happened a lot. Yeah, it happened with lot. John yeah. and Emily. She, like, I think they're pregnant, and they were. And I was like, why don't you have a dream about us? And we'll be pregnant. <laughs> and, but one night, um, she, the Lord woke her up in the middle of the night. And she felt like she was supposed to reach out to this guy. So in the middle of the night, she emails this. Um, he's actually a contract attorney, but he's like lives in this community of all these Marshallese people, which the Marshall Islands is in the South Pacific. And there's a large community of Marshallese people in the Bentonville area. And so she emails him, and uh, we have an appointment in Scottsdale the next day to go to a fertility specialist, a male fertility specialist, just to, you know, see how things are going here. And because um, we're still, like, believing that, you know, we'll sort this out. God will help us, hopefully. And so we, we, we're on the way to the appointment, and we get a call from this attorney. And he's like, I have a birth mom who's having a little boy in March. And um, this is in September. And so we go to the appointment, and it turns out they're like, I think you're okay. Like, I won't go into the details of it, but. Just tell us everything. I don't know if you know what motility is. <laughs> it's the shape. Um, keep going to the next part of the story. <laughs> and so we, like, call our folks, and we're, like, um, we decide we're just going to say yes. We're going to, like, just, like, put our yes on the table, as you say. And so we go back home, and we do a FaceTime with um, this young girl, um, who's the birth mom and her attorney. There's a translator there, and we kind of tell our story. We say, I'm, it was really awkward. 
And we just said our desires is to be parents and to have a home full of kids. And this is what we do for a living. And this is what our heart is for children. Well, and let me preface, um, one of the reasons why we decided to pursue international adoption, um, one, it was put on our hearts, but number two, we had experienced so much disappointment as far as miscarriages and IVF failure and, and different things like that, that a, a domestic adoption with a possibility of having an open adoption felt very scary to us. It felt, um, we were definitely like, no, that's not for us. We can't set ourselves up for disappointment again in case they change their mind or we don't know what that relationship looks like. And so the international adoption was definitely something we wanted to pursue, but it was also a safeguard of like, this feels more comfortable for us. Um, so going on to take a step of domestic um, adoption and the possibility of it being an open adoption was very, very scary for us. Um, but she decided that night that she wanted to move forward with us as the adoptive parents. And from that point on, we got sonogram pictures. And we one of the beautiful things about adoption that we've experienced is we always name the children before they come. Uh, since I don't get to carry them, um, it's a way that we get to connect. So we named this child Benjamin Pierce um, and uh, decided he would go by Pierce, both family names, obviously, and Pierce is on my side. Um, and about two weeks before um, I got a before he was supposed to be born, I got a message from his birth mom, and she she said, "I don't." And there's a language barrier there, but she said um, they said something's wrong with his heart and his arms and his face, and uh, it's just really scary. So we do the paperwork to get to talk to the doctor, and Ben is actually in New York, leading at a church for the weekend. And I'm in Arizona by myself, um, and he calls, and I have a notebook, and I'm ready to take notes. And he starts to list off about ten things wrong with Pierce. Um, the major one being that he has hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is a, a very scary heart condition for anybody. But given all of the other complications that were listed, um, at the end of the conversation, I said, okay, so is there a way that this child can survive? And he said, ma'am, are you, are you by yourself? And I said, I, I am. And he said, you need to call some people because I'm really, really sorry, but there's no way this child is going to make it. <laughs> and so she calls me, and I booked the next flight home. And within like 24 hours, uh, we had a friend here in Tulsa, John Strader, started a Pray for Benjamin Pierce page. Um, my best friend in Phoenix sent out a text to everyone saying, every morning at 7, I'm going to be at the Starbucks. I'm going to pray for Benjamin Pierce. Would you come join me? And so the Facebook page was people all over the world um, were praying for this little boy, um, that God would heal him, that God would do something that's impossible. And... Um, and I'll be honest, I was, Noel has like such a, a natural ease of belief, I think. You have, I wish I had the relationship with God she has, but um, I'll be honest, I was, wasn't super hopeful. Uh, I was scared. Um, I had prayed for healing before and, and for someone I love and didn't get it. And, and so I was terrified. But all these people, all these people 
believing for us, holding our arms up when we couldn't. Um, it was beautiful. And just praying and praying. Our whole church there, churches here, just praying that God would heal this little boy that none of us had met yet. Um, and so we go to the hospital. Uh, our families join us there. My mom's here today. She's right there. You can wave. Um, she doesn't like to wave, but... Um, and the night before this boy is supposed to be born, we're a mixture of all sorts of things, hope and fear, and, and we're finally going to have a baby, going to have a family, but we don't know how long it'll last. And, um, and so the baby's born. Um, sweet birth mom worked her tail off, and um, they bring us into this room with machines and like 30 different nurses and doctors and beeping noises and this little boy. Our Pierce, um, he was beautiful, and uh, and then they took us out of the room, and this doctor set us down. And they're like, "How much do you know about his condition?" And we're like, "We know he has hypoplastic left heart syndrome." And they're like, "Yeah, we we've confirmed that." And they said, "There's some other things. It looks like he has a problem with one of his lungs. He's missing a kidney. Um, he has a floating thumb. This, that, and the other." And it was almost like they were, are you sure you want to go through with this? Which our answer was always, of course, like, this is our baby boy. And so they transfer him down the street to Arkansas Children's Hospital, which is a beautiful place with beautiful people. And, um, and we begin this process of, like, trying to figure out, assess, like, how are we going to save this boy? Um, our families are there with us. Someone brought a guitar up to the hospital because there's all these we met all these parents of kids that have hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which, by the way, if you have this, the left side of your heart's underdeveloped, which is the side that oxygenates the blood. So kids that have this have to have a series of five to six open heart surgeries before their sixth, seventh birthday. And so that's not to fix it. That's just to keep them alive. And quality of life is low. You can imagine having five open heart surgeries, one a year, your first five years, um, and it was just sad. These parents just um, fighting with their kids, for their kids. Someone brought a guitar up to the, the waiting room, and Noel and I would sit with these other families, the terrified parents and grandparents, and, and we'd let them worship, and we'd sing together and pray together. And, um, and so his pulmonologist comes by, and they say, um, we need his lungs to be healthy enough to get all these surgeries he's going to need for his heart. And his pulmonologist just pulls aside one day and says, I'm really sorry to say this, but his left lung is, there's nothing there. It comes off of the, the, the bronchial tubes, come off, and there's nothing there. And he won't be able to survive the surgeries he needs. So we're just going to have to give him compassionate care, which is just to make him comfortable until he passes. And we, <laughs> we were on the floor. Like, Mom, you remember us walking back to you with the looks on our face like, why? Like... All these people praying, why? And so Noel and I go back into Pierce's room, and he's strapped up to all these machines, and we have it out with God. I'm saying things that I can't repeat in this room. And Noel says, God, you didn't give me one of the things I asked for. Not one of the things I asked for did you give me. And uh, I'm going to hand it off to you. Um, I do remember in that moment, um, being reminded of just like how 
a, a mustard seed of faith really does feel like, I don't even know if we had that much left, but we gathered our hands and we started praying over this box that held our child. And um, I, I, we still prayed down heaven, you know, like, and all of a sudden our cardiologist, who we are still in contact with, um, she comes in the room and she is one that, you know, when you go through difficult times, even the orchestration of the people that come along in your life during those times is definitely a gift from God. She, from the day one, whether she was on on for that day or not, she was there at our door. She made sure we got to hold him with a thousand cords attached to him. She was fighting for our boy. Mm. And um, she said, if you guys can come into this other room with us. Well, we had just seen a family who had gone into that other room, and we didn't like the outcome for them. So we knew it was coming. And as we walk in, she says, now, listen, I have some good news and I have some bad news. And we were like, whoa, if there's good news here, like, we'll take anything right now. So she sits us down. She draws out his heart. And she said, when Pierce came to us and when we have done, I mean, they did echoes on him three times a day at least. Um, we saw that his left side was 25%, um, and there's no way that he could survive uh, this surgery. But now the latest echo shows that it's 75% bigger, and uh, he's going to be okay. <laughs> um, and we've never seen anything like this. Uh, it's our job to explain it, and I, I can't explain it. She knew God healed him. Our nurses knew God healed him. Um, he kind of became the marvel of the floor because it was just completely unheard of. So she goes on to say, now there is a coarctation, um, which means he's just going to have to have a minor surgery, which he'll totally survive. And um, we're going to, huh? I, I don't, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's just something with his heart, okay? It's a lot of stuff. Um, the coarctation of his valve. Anyway, he's, he, it, he'll be fine. He'll survive. Um, and so they decided to start taking him off of this medication that kept that valve open, and we were going to see how his heart was going to do. Um, and every day we would wait, and I believe on the third day we were waiting for rounds, and the doctor came by, and we overheard him saying to um, our nurse, I don't think the coarctation is there anymore. And we just were like, okay, we're not going to get our hopes up. Even our nurse was like, that never happens. Hold tight. I'm going to find out what's going on. They come back with the doctor, and they come in, and they say, there's no coarctation. His heart is completely healed. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with his heart. Mm. Um, in fact, they kicked us off the floor in a, in a loving way, but we, they just you said, you're not a cardio patient mm. anymore. And um, we spent five weeks in the hospital. Two of those weeks was that, you know, um, place of not knowing what was going on. And actually the doctor that delivered him and sat us down and told us that there's no way that he was going to survive and um, saw us in the ICU with him when he was learning to eat and all that kind of stuff. And she stopped and she recognized us. She was like, what are you, what are you guys still doing here? And we said, God healed our son. Like he's here and thriving. She came over. Um, it just was this really sweet, we saw the beginning of this long, wonderful story that the Lord was writing with using Pierce in his life and that we got to be a part of that is just 
completely humbling. Um, and, and even now. And even now. He's amazing. He <laughs> is. He, if you know our son, um, he's just magic. He's mm. um, he's had a couple of surgeries on his awesome hand. He's got his, okay. He has, so he was born with a floating thumb, um, which is like he had a thumb that had bones in it, but no muscles or, or anything there. So they, w this is a really special story. I'll make it quick. But we were at this church in, in Phoenix, and one day after church, this guy comes up to me. He's like, hi, my name is uh, Spencer. I'm a hand surgeon. Uh, I'm from Tulsa. I've spent the last three years in Boston at Boston Children's studying under this hand surgeon. And I've been, I knew I was going to move to Gilbert, Arizona. And so I went online looking for churches, and I pulled up this church, and I saw you, and I know you from Tulsa, and I thought, that's where I'm going to go to church. And that day, you were online telling the story about your son, Pierce, who was born, and, and thanking God for this miracle of his birth, and I noticed that he had this hand situation. And the surgery he needs for his hand, the doctor I've been training under for the past three years is a man who created the surgery that he needs. And he has a waiting list, but since I'm, he's my mentor, I can get you to the front line, and when he gets done with the surgery, I want to do his physical therapy for free. What? <laughs> and, and so he had this hand, and that was just like, okay, just showing off now, God. Uh, we get it. Um, and so that was just another beautiful thing. And Pierce, like, we are stewards of Pierce's story. And I don't understand it because there was kids on that hall that didn't yeah. do as good, didn't make it. And, it, and I don't understand how God, but I, God did this. It's undeniable. Something, in hearing your story for the second time this morning, I was struck by this. Um, I've heard somebody say that one definition of poverty is its lack of access to people who can help. And in hearing you tell your story, what, like, riches you guys have with all of these people being a part of the family of God. Yeah. All of these people in Tulsa, and I'm sure in Amarillo, and in, in Arizona, praying for you and these networks, it's so amazing. So Pierce comes into the world, and that's just the beginning of that's the story the beginning, for your yeah. family. Sorry, we're kind of going a little bit long. Um, so we decided once, you know, Pierce is a little bit more established, we're still in Arizona, we want to pursue adoption again. We said that we wanted to adopt um, a child from that same community so that Pierce would have a sibling that looked like him. Um, and so we reached out. We actually got um, paired with another family who's a baby boy who was going to be due, I think, in October. Um, went through that whole process. About five days before he was born, we got a call from the... Um, our adoption lawyer, and he just said, I'm really, we thought the baby was on his way, and he said, I'm really sorry, but the parents have decided not to go through um, with this, and it actually actually ended up being a fraud situation, unfortunately, um, and so we were disappointed, hurt, upset, went to the mountains to just be with, be together as a family, came home, and um, about four months previously to that, our birth mom, Pierce's birth mom, had given birth to a little girl. And um, she, it, it, anyway, we, we knew about this. Um, she reached out to me and said, I think it was the, ne the night we got in from the mountains. And she said, I'm, I heard about the adoption. I'm really sorry. Are you still looking to adopt? And we said, absolutely. Do you know somebody? And she said, me. And I was like... The, the baby, like, this little girl that you just had, she said, no, um, I'm actually pregnant again, and I, I, cannot, I cannot do this, and I want this child to be with Pierce. 
Well, if you see that sweet little black-haired, brown-skinned girl around here, Rosie, who's just pure light, that is our Rosie. And she is a blood sibling with Pierce, and we got to adopt her from birth. Um, and then as our story progressed, um, she, she became pregnant again, and um, we adopted Merrick, which is our third, and we got to have him since birth. And so this story begins with saying yes to Pierce, but then it also reflects and, and starts this whole domino effect of now uh, siblings get to stay together, and we get to be a part of that story, and um, it, it, we fell in love with adoption. Uh, I am so, so thankful that this is the way that the Lord has written our story. Um, so we have three beautiful children that we could not make that beautiful. Um, and they are incredible and we're humbled that they are ours, but it wasn't always that way. You know, um, we went through a lot of disappointment to get there. Um, and I always tell my, like remind myself sometimes when I'm going through a difficult time, like we could have said no, we could have, completely been stunted by all the disappointments and we had a lot of disappointments and could have been a hundred percent validated in that of like no we can't move forward like I can't do this again I can't get hurt again I can't be disappointed again and look what we would have missed out on like this beautiful beautiful story and all through scripture the story of Christ is redemption the story of the gospel is redemption, and I think sometimes we forget that we get so focused on the, the negativity and the hard stuff in front of us, we forget that there is a bigger story, and that when you get to know God for who he is, you remember that he is good, and he is faithful, and no matter what is around you, he's the one who remains solid, and I, I am honestly completely humbled that we get to play a role in this, mm -hmm. that these kids are our kids, like... Adoption is just, it is supernatural, um, and um, thank you for anybody in here who has followed our story and prayed for, for Pierce, and I guarantee this is just the beginning of his little story and Rosie's and Merrick's, and we are just so thankful for God's goodness and his faithfulness. This, like you were talking earlier about just like the rich family of God, um, we've been stopped in random airports like not just in Tulsa, but in, in, like, we, I forget, I think it was Chicago or somewhere. Someone walked up, and, and they said, is this Pierce? Oh, it was Disneyland. We're at Disneyland, and this family comes in, is this Pierce? We prayed for Pierce. They, they recognized it, and they, like, they were, they got to see, like, the handiwork of God from a distance, and they saw him in person. They're like, like, it was almost like, this is real. Like, God really did this, and look at him now, and, and, and every one of our kids is like the, our family is a miracle. Mm. It's like we dreamed about having a family, having a full car and a full house, not realizing how loud and messy that would be. But <laughs> it didn't look the way it ended up. And, uh, and I'm glad. Like he painted a, bit, a better picture than I, I could have dreamed or would have had the audacity to ask for. Um, and so uh, God is good. So I was going to comment on just that, that Noel was affirming God is faithful and God is good, which is one thing to say on the other side of the difficulty when you get a peek behind the curtain of redemption. 
but there were a lot of days and there were a lot of years where you didn't have any guarantee that that was going to happen. And you faced other disappointments and, and deep losses since. Um, ben and Noel, as you are aware that like people in the room who are similarly struggling with their own wants, their own hopes that have been deferred, whether it's for a family or to get married or to have a job or, um, or you know, you're asking God to meet your needs, for people who are in the middle of their story right now and they haven't yet gotten a guarantee or a glimpse behind the curtain of redemption, what would you say to um, encourage and, and challenge those people who are in the middle of their story? I didn't say this in um, the, the first service, but I would say make a sincere effort to be around, like to make friends and have like community. Um, because our story was really too, would have been, and mo a lot of your stories are too hard to walk alone. Mm. Um, and to have people that know what you're, like, hoping and believing that God's going to bring you, like, the things that you dream about. God's, he's mindful of what concerns you today. Like, he, he's aware, he cares about the small details, too. Um, and so when we tell our friends, like, you know what, I know this is crazy, but I really want a full family, you know, and it's not happening. And those people can, like, link arms with you and hold your arms up whenever you can't. That's why we gather and sing every week. It's like sometimes we can't sing the words, and so the, the brothers and sisters on the left and right of you are singing for you when you can't. And so, the, like, it makes the journey and the road, like, bearable mm -hmm. to have friends and family and community. So that's one of the things I would say. I 100% agree with that. I think it puts you in a very vulnerable place. I'm a very private person. Um, and so to let people know when I'm not doing good is really is really hard. Um, and the beautiful thing about even in the social media world of people knowing about Pierce is I didn't have that choice. It was like I wanted every person in the entire world on their knees praying for my boy. Like I didn't care. Um, and to be in that point of desperation and be met with the body is a, is a really beautiful thing. I think also for me, um, a lesson that I've learned is it's okay to trust God with your disappointments. It's, he doesn't expect you to put, like, this big, strong, happy face on all the time. Like, he already knows how you're feeling. Like, he already knows the words that are in your heart. Like, it's not anything that he can't handle. It's not any news to him how you're feeling. Um, and I have found that when I'm just real and, and say, I, this stinks and I don't understand, um, there's this intimacy that's born, that's, that's, that happens between me and the father of just leaning in and getting to know him in a way that I maybe didn't know beforehand mm -hmm. because I let my guard down and it's, he can show up in those moments. Mm -hmm. It's when I say, no, I'm good and, and don't allow him in, in those moments that he can't be who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a scary place to be, and it's hard. And I know it can be lonely, and I know that there's so many stories in here that, of people have, going through disappointment and heartache and loss and grief and all of those things. And so I would encourage you to just be real with the Father and let him into those spaces mm -hmm. because he will meet you where you're at. Like, and he's okay with it. He can handle it. Um, I know firsthand, like, so does he. Like, it, it just, there's, there's an intimacy that happens when we allow the Father to be who he is. Um, 
we don't have to protect him from anything. Like, mm. uh, who are we to say that he can't be who he is, you mm. know? So that would be yeah, that's so good where I'm at. Um, Noel, will you just, I would love to ask you, I, when, I, when things are not great, I would like Noel to pray for me. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, so Ben, I just, or Noel, I would just love to ask um, just that you'd pray a blessing over people in the room. And you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you might identify that this is a very hard time of life. It's hard for you to be a person right now. And just in your heart and to the Lord say, she's talking about me right now. And just add your amen to Noel's prayer. Noel, would you just pray a blessing on all of us here? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's represented here, God. I thank you for every family that's represented. Um, Lord, we bring our hearts to you. We bring our disappointments, um, our heartaches, our joys, our moments of, of just laughter with you, God. We bring that all to you. Lord, I ask that you would show up in, in mighty ways for everybody. God, I ask that there would be a peace and a calm that would rest mm -hmm. on these um, individuals, God, as they leave today. Lord, may they know that your presence is with them. God, may they experience you in a way that takes them to a deeper place in intimacy with you, God. May they know that it's safe and it's okay to be weak, God, because it's in our weakness that you get to be strong, God. We thank you that you are good. And, Lord, I pray that we give you the moments to show that. Lord, I ask that you would allow us to allow you to show up because you are who you say you are, God. You are good. Your promises are true. And, Lord, I just ask that your peace and your comfort would rest upon everyone, Lord. For those that are, are wanting a family, and I ask, God, that you would begin to give them the courage to say yes again, mm. to try again, to put their yes on the table, whether it's through adoption or other creative family planning, Lord, I just ask that your wisdom would be prevalent, God, that you would surround them with people that are going to encourage them and love them and create a safe environment, God, to show the weaknesses that they have, God, and in that we all get to be strong together. I thank you in advance for what you have done in our family, for the healing that you have taken, God, or that you have brought to our family, specifically to Pierce, and that you will continue to do through all my children and all our children. God, I thank you in advance for that. Lord, it is all to bring glory to you. That is what this life is about, God. May we look to you as we see your glory played out on this earth, God. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would y'all thank Ben and Noel? We're so grateful you listened to this week's sermon at Cornerstone. If you live in the Tulsa area, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our worship and community in person. You can find service times and more information at our website. But wherever you are, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace.